Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show, the first live weekly radio show in the country dedicated to providing answers to all your health care, elder care, and caregiver questions. We have a great show planned for you today. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me in studio is Sue Abderholden, Executive Director with NAMI Minnesota. This is the state organization of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Today, we will be talking about mental illness. I want to remind you, we are broadcasting live and are looking forward to answering your questions. Please feel free to call us at 952-946-6205. Our show producer, Eric, will be answering the phones today and keeping us on schedule. Thank you, Eric. And once again, that number is 952-946-6205. Before we begin today's program, I want to share with you why we host this weekly live call-in radio show devoted to all aspects of health care and elder care services that range from health care management and financial planning all the way through to end-of-life care and support. We provide answers to important questions you need to be aware of regarding health care and elder care and caregiver issues to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life. Each week, we bring you experts from across the healthcare and elder care continuum to provide insights and recommendations on how to navigate the complexities and challenges facing our caregivers and our aging population and how we can help you and your loved ones prepare for the various stages of life's transitions. In addition, we provide vital information for the caregivers who are essential to supporting our elder population. We also talk about the lessons mortality can teach us and the importance of living each day with a purpose and without regret. I am grateful for the opportunity each week to discuss these timely and relevant topics with you, and I am thankful for the tremendous response you, our listening audience, have provided to us regarding this radio show. I also want to thank AM950 for allowing us the opportunity to pioneer this first-of-a-kind talk show in the nation dedicated to health care, elder care, and caregiver issues. Please continue to send us your questions, comments, and suggestions. This show is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent, physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovation and comprehension and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding what end-of-life care should look like, please contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952-898-1022 or by email at radio at mnhospice.com or visit us online at minnesotahospice.com. We are living in unprecedented times in human history. Over the last 70, over 75 million people of the baby boom generation continue to move into retirement age and our population mix is rapidly shifting. The Social Security Administration reported that over 4 million people are retiring each year. That equates to over 10,000 people every day. The Minnesota State Demographic Center issued a report entitled Minnesota 2030, and in it, they estimate within the next 10 to 12 years, the population of Minnesotans age 65 and older will be larger than the entire population under age 18 for the first time in the state's history. The need for elder care is growing and will be increasing at an accelerated rate in the coming years. We also have economic pressures to face as well. The cost for assisted living, communities, skilled nursing facilities, additional services for the elderly is increasing, and many families continue to look for alternatives. In addition, surveys show most people want to age and die in their own homes. So families need to begin planning for several areas of importance regarding their housing requirements <clears throat> long before they need them. 
These factors are contributing to an exploding caregiving workforce crisis. Minnesota currently has over 585,000 unpaid family and friends playing a critical role in helping older Minnesotans live at home. There's also a growing segment of our population that are called the invisible caregivers that are being called upon to help fill the gap as the health as the home health care crisis deepens. These invisible caregivers are minor children, some as young as eight years old, helping care for aging or disabled family members. We here in Minnesota are not alone in this extraordinary trend. The rest of the country is facing the same challenging realities. This phenomenon has far-reaching implications for our society, our communities, and our quality of life. Each week during this broadcast, we will be discussing the impact this megatrend will have on you and your loved ones and what you can do to prepare for it and enhance your quality of life. Today, our topic of conversation is about mental illness, and we are excited to have with us Sue Abderholden, Executive Director with NAMI Minnesota, the state organization of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Sue has held leadership positions with ARC of Minnesota, U.S. Senator Paul D. Wellstone, and PACER Center, Minnesota's Parent Training and Information Center. Sue has a B.A. in Political Science from McAllister College and a Master's Degree in Public Health Administration from the University of Minnesota. She has devoted her career to changing laws and attitudes that affect people with disabilities and their families. Since the fall of 2001, she has served as the executive director for NAMI, where she has grown the organization to be the largest provider of family and public education and support in the state and the state's strongest advocacy organization. She has held leadership positions with ARC of Minnesota, Senator Paul D. Wellstone and Pacer Center. She has received numerous awards for her advocacy, including the 2018 Rona and Ken Purdy Award to End Discrimination from National NAMI, Excellence in Mental Health Advocacy and Policy Award from the International African Mental Health Providers, and the 2013 Gaylord Anderson Leadership Award from the U of M School of Public Health, and the National Council for Behavioral Health 2013 Advocacy Leadership Award. Sue, welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for inviting me today. This is great. And, and this show, we are live, and um, we are just coming off a major event that you and your organization hosted last Saturday. Before we get into NAMI and things, could you just, just tell us a little bit about what that event entails and, and why that's so important for, for the Minnesota NAMI organization? Absolutely. Well, NAMI walks are held across the country, um, but ours is actually one of the largest in the country. Um, just, you know, we've beat out New York City and all sorts of other kind of larger metropolitan areas. And it is a statewide walk. We had over 4,000 people. Right now we're estimating it was about 4,500. It's always the fourth Saturday of September at Minnehaha Park. And it's a great day. We have about uh, 40 some exhibitors, so you know some of our sponsors, different mental health providers, health plans, that type of thing from across the state. There's music, although I like to joke that Minnesotans don't dance in the daylight, so they listened and didn't dance. Um, and then it's a 5K walk, and people can walk, you know, however much they want. I think what it really does is to raise awareness about mental illness and really let people who are living with it and their family members know that they are not alone. Um, that there are truly thousands of people out there who are uh, caring for them, who are concerned about this issue. Well, and I think the the other thing is that Minnesota is just um, so committed to supporting advocacy organizations like yours. Mm-hmm. Um, we we just had Walk to End Alzheimer's on the show a couple weeks ago, and um, again, just a strong outpouring of support from the community. Um, you know, they had thousands of people at their walk. Uh, that's also a national program. But what was so interesting is that the feedback from people that attend these events is that they, for the first time, or or they feel they've got other people that are sharing the same experience that they are, 
And so they don't feel isolated. Absolutely. I, I think one of the concerns and one of the reasons why this show exists is to get information out to people so that they know there are resources there, but also that they're not alone in these situations that they're facing. Absolutely. No one should walk these journeys alone. Um, it really is important to have the support of your community. Yeah. The uh, When we get back from the first break here, we'll, we'll talk about NAMI. I'd like to get a little bit more of a background on NAMI. Um, but the but one of the things that we want to make sure people know about is that NAMI is supported by donations from the community. Absolutely. So we don't get, you know, we don't bill for our services or anything like that. Most everything we provide is free. Um, so we really depend on individual donations, including the WAC. The WAC funds about 25% of our budget. So it is an extremely uh, important part of our fundraising efforts during the year. And I will just let people know there's no registration fee because we really want this to be a public awareness raising event. We certainly appreciate it if people can, you know, raise some money. And um, most of our donations are under $100. So Fantastic. we really do well, the support from everyone. Yeah. Well, and even though the walk is over, you're still taking donations. Yes, until the middle of November. So people can go to our website, namimn.org, and um, just click on the walk and donate through there. And we'll remind them again every segment here. It's time for our first break. We will be right back to continue our conversation about mental illness with Sue Abderholden, Executive Director with NAMI Minnesota. The fine folks at Common Good Books will help you find the perfect book for you or the book lover in your life. Find a huge selection from a locally owned and independent bookseller in the Twin Cities. They are always bringing in top authors from around the globe for special in-store events. Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sundays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Find Common Good Books at 38 South Snelling Avenue in St. Paul or shop online at commongoodbooks.com. Are you thinking of selling your house or downsizing to main level living for an easier lifestyle? I'm Janelle Holty with Seller's Edge Home Team and Coldwell Banker Burnett, your agent with heart. My team specializes in selling homes and helping you find the next property for all life stages. Call me today for your free equity assessment. I'll get you moving. That's Janelle Holty at 612-203-9661 or find us online at sellersedgehometeam.com. Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club is delighted to offer its spacious facilities for your private function. From weddings, retirement parties, business dinners, or any special occasion, Crooner's combines a dedicated, full-service special events team, an award-winning chef, and a beautiful lakeside ambiance to make your event a resounding success. Visit croonersloungemn.com to learn more about their private dining options, or call 763-571-9020 to get a quote for your next event today. It's a good day to be indigenous. Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. Our weekly Native American talk radio show will discuss national and local Native American news and events. Local and national guests will help us keep current with Mother Earth, tribal, and Twin City issues. Native American issues are human issues. We invite all people to walk hand-in-hand with our struggles, victories, and achievements. Listen Saturdays at 2 p.m. I am awake. Margaret Wheatley said, There is no more powerful way to initiate significant social change than to start a conversation. When a group of people discover that they share a common concern, that's when the process of change begins. On October 16th, you can be part of that change. Engage in the conversation at an incredible event. The Minnesota Women's Press Conversations, Using Our Voice and Vote. With midterms right around the corner, how we lobby, influence, and campaign, especially with people who have different views, has never been more important. So go to womenspress.com to register now. Oh, and Patricia Torres-Ray and Nakima Levy-Armstrong will be in a keynote conversation with each other. And in addition, all of us will mobilize through incredible breakout conversations. October 16th, from 4.30 to 8.30 in St. Paul at Carondelet Center, using our voice and vote. Register at Women's Press.com. That's womenspress.com. See you there. Once I was 11 years old, my daddy told me, go get yourself a wife or you'll be lonely. Once I was 11 years old. I always had that dream 
All right, welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show. This radio program is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care, please feel free to contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice by phone at 952-898-1022, by email at radio at mnhospice.com, or visit them at minnesotahospice.com. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today in studio is Sue Abderholden, Executive Director with NAMI Minnesota. Before we get back into our conversation, Sue, let's tell our audience how they can reach your organization. Absolutely. So our website is simply namimn.org, and then our phone number is 651-645-2948. Fantastic. Now, uh, NAMI Minnesota is a statewide grassroots organization dedicated to improving the lives of children and adults with mental illnesses by providing education, support, and advocacy. NAMI Minnesota offers classes for family members who have a loved one with a mental illness, also peer-led support groups, public awareness presentations, and suicide prevention classes, along with running a hotline and legislative advocacy. Now, Sue, we were talking off the air. Uh, you have a staff of about 33 people. That's correct. And, and again, just to remind people, you have been in this position working with NAMI for over 17 years, since the fall of 2001. You've really dedicated your life's work to this, this area of healthcare. Absolutely. And it's been a very important part. And I, like so many others, I have family members. And when I first came to NAMI, we actually had two and a half staff. Um, so we were kind of on our last leg. So it was really an opportunity to grow the organization and, frankly, to really raise public awareness about this issue. So tell me what, you know, you've had a, an amazing career. I just love reading the bios of the people on the show. Uh, the passion and commitment is just amazing. What what led you into this area of healthcare 17 years ago? Well, I think when we look at mental illness, the discrimination that people face is really quite great. We don't treat mental health treatment like we treat any other type of healthcare treatment. Um, there's discriminatory practices under Medicaid and Medicare and private insurance. Um, if we had people boarding in an emergency room who were having you needed cardiac care, for example, and there weren't any beds available, we would have new cardiac units yesterday. And yet people with mental illness are boarding in emergency rooms with nowhere else to go. And so just seeing the discrimination, you know, even little things, for example, if you talk to a person with a mental illness, when they were hospitalized, did they ever get a get well card? They're going to say no. You know, ask family members, do you get a hot dish, you know, brought to you? The answer is no. Are people on prayer lists? Have you ever seen the Caring Bridge website for someone with a serious mental illness? So um, we've really isolated and pushed people with mental illness kind of out of bounds of our community. And I really felt like it was time to break down those barriers. Well, okay. So uh, as I was doing a little bit of research here uh, for the show, and I'm learning as well, the one of the great things about hosting a show on healthcare and elder care and caregiver issues is that I learn a lot and I realize how little I do know. Um, but some of the most recent statistics show that nearly one in five people in America have suffered or are suffering with mental illness. Yes. So, so that's just the people that are suffering doesn't, doesn't include their family the members, right. exactly. So then it's a much higher percentage yes. of people who are really impacted by mental illness. Yes. And later in the show here, we can start talking about some of the, the resources that, mm-hmm. and maybe some cures, because as I'm reading, I mean, people can experience a mental illness, but it's not necessarily a lifelong thing. The, people can recover from mental illness if they're given appropriate treatment and support. Yes. 
there are other ones that, that have uh, a different duration. Um, and, and we talked about off air a little bit about uh, our, our practice in healthcare with end of life care. We deal with a lot of dementia patients and there are 20 some different types of dementia that people don't really realize. Alzheimer's being the most prevalent, but there's quite a array of different types of dementia. And same with mental illness. Um, we were, I was looking at the list of mental illness conditions, and there's just an amazing amount of differentiation in those. There's a lot of them. We don't really talk about cures in yep. mental health. We talk about recovery and that people can get better and their lives can go on. The other thing that most people don't realize is that half of all mental illnesses emerge by the age of 14, 75% by the age of 24. So it is really a young person's illness. And frankly, if we don't identify and treat early, um, the future of those young people is not necessarily great. Right. And I've uh, as we talked about earlier, you know, part of what NAMI's mission is, is to provide education um, uh, along with running a hotline and, and, and getting information out to in front of our legislators. Um, and, this, and, and also, you guys do have a suicide prevention area. And that, that unfortunately, yes. is a big part or a part of the whole mental illness continuum especially since it's been increasing so rapidly. I mean, in 2001, we were losing 400 people a year, and now we're losing 800 people a year. And so it's um, of great concern to us, which is why we started to do a lot more work in suicide prevention. And, and that kind of led me into another area of, of research that I was looking at, um, that, yes, suicides have been increasing, but it's interesting it's been increasing really across the board in different in the age groups it's 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 young people there's a, a a large portion of our population that and i don't know if it's social media driven or if it's if what's driving that necessarily but yeah, it is increasing. we're not really sure. Uh, and I will say that for a while, um, especially during the recession, that actually the suicide rate among uh, middle-aged white men was what was really increasing. But m more recently, it's really across the board. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, of education, and we've only got about a minute left in this segment, um, I'd like to spend a little bit more time on that because our, our audience is a very educated uh, sophisticated audience and they are always looking for areas in where they can get resources and find more education. Um, do you have anything coming up here uh, in the future that is based on education that we could just mention here at the end of the segment? We have quite a few family education classes that are starting and um, our Hope for Recovery, family to family education classes. So if people go to our website, they can click on the calendar and see what's coming up in their community. Perfect. And that website again is www.namimn.org. Namimn.org. All right. It's time for our next break. We will be right back to continue our conversation about mental illness with Sue Abderholden, Executive Director with NAMI Minnesota. Are you thinking of selling your house or downsizing to main level living for an easier lifestyle? I'm Janelle Holty with Seller's Edge Home Team and Coldwell Banker Burnett, your agent with heart. My team specializes in selling homes and helping you find the next property for all life stages. Call me today for your free equity assessment. I'll get you moving. That's Janelle Holty at 612-203-9661 or find us online at sellersedgehometeam.com. I'm John Peterson, and at Ferndale Market, we are proud to provide our free-range turkey to local restaurants and natural food stores. One of our partners since the beginning has been Birchwood Cafe, and we're excited to announce a new partnership product, the Birchwood Turkey Burger Patty, made from their popular turkey burger recipe using our antibiotic-free turkey and Birchwood's local and organic ingredients. Put an end to bland turkey burgers. Find this and all our Ferndale turkey products at your local co-op or natural food store. Visit ferndalemarket.com. 
I'm Richard R.J. Eskow, and this week on The Zero Hour, the sickness is much bigger than Brett Kavanaugh. Are people using victimhood to win credibility? And Thomas Frank will talk with us about populists, semi-populists, and a lots of other stuff. All this and more on The Zero Hour every Sunday night from 9 till midnight on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is Chad, owner of AM950 here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. Check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trusts Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP, or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. You don't have to be an expert camper to enjoy the Boundary Waters. Big Bear Lodge is your home away from home that still lets you experience the Northwoods in authentic and modern woodsy cabins. Upon arrival, you'll be greeted by the owners whose priority is your relaxation. Take in amazing sunsets, stargazing, and moose viewing near the Gunflint Trail. There are free use of canoes and kayaks, guided pontoon tours, and private docks and fire pits. So come find your smile at Big Bear Lodge. More at BigBearLodgeMN.com. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Haas. Saturday, chance of showers with a high near 52. Sunday, chance of showers with a high near 53. And Monday, rain with a high near 54. This week's EatLocalMinnesota.com Restaurant of the Week is Victor's 1959 Cafe. They're open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, offering traditional Cuban recipes in a relaxed, casual, and festive Cuban environment. Located at 3756 Grand Avenue in South Minneapolis. Details at EatLocalMinnesota.com. Soon we'll be 30 years old. Our songs have been sold. We've traveled around the world and we're still roaming. Soon we'll be 30 years old. Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show. This radio program is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care, please reach out and contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952-898-1022 or online at minnesotahospice.com. Dot com. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today in studio is Sue Abderholden, the Executive Director with NAMI Minnesota. Before we get back into our conversation, Sue, could you remind our audience how they can reach your organization? Yes, you can go to our website, which is www.namimn.org, or call us at 651-645-2948. As a reminder to our audience, we are live on the air today and every Saturday and looking forward to taking your questions. If you have a question for Sue about mental illness or the role NAMI plays in supporting our communities, please feel free to call us at 952-946-6205. All right, last segment, we started talking about uh, some of the events that you do for the communities and educational support. I'd like to talk more about that this segment. Um, but one of the, the things we were talking about off the air was that uh, for the first time at the Minnesota State Fair last month was a Mental Health Awareness Day. And you and several other organizations came together to to promote that. Would you mind just informing us more about how that came about and, and what, sure. what was involved there? 
Well, the State Advisory Council on Mental Health and the Children's Subcommittee um, wanted to do something at the fair. They thought so many people are there. It's a great opportunity to raise awareness. Um, but they didn't really have kind of the staffing to be able to do that. So NAMI stepped in and uh, working with a number of, you know, over 20 organizations. So we had booths, we had music, we had entertainment. Um, it was really a great day to, again, raise awareness. It doesn't have to be, frankly, a depressing topic. It's a topic that we all need to know something about. You know, that's a great point. Um, in, in your area of healthcare and, and in my area with end-of-life care, um, sometimes people look at that negatively uh, or they'll say, I don't know how you can, you know, work in that area or, or, or it's great for you to do that. But really, the hope that that brings, the organizations that we are working with and you're working with bring so much hope to families in supporting, whether it's, in our case, a, a dying loved one, mm-hmm. or in your case, it's, it's a family member that is, is, has mental illness and is looking for resources. And again, we talked about previously, the, the walks are so great because it raises the awareness in the community and lets people know they're not alone in facing this dilemma in their life and there's resources available. Well, and people just need to know how to cope. I mean, our, you know, high school health classes don't teach us very much about mental illnesses. You know, what do you do if your son is developing schizophrenia and has delusional thoughts? Most people have no idea what to do. So through our classes, which are taught by family members, um, they can really learn what to do and, and how to help. One of our classes, which is a national program, is called Family to Family. It's a 12-week, very intensive class. But um, pretty much after every single class, people will tell us that it was life-changing, that they understood their family member more, they really realized how they could help them, um, and they become, frankly, lifelong advocates for their loved one and for changes in our public policies. I, I think one of the words that we run across in the hospice field of healthcare is the empathy, is that as people become more educated, they get more empathy to a situation um, that they're facing or that a family member's facing. And, uh, and I, I, we do education <laughs> all the time. We're, we're educating, it just seems, constantly. Um, because you're right, where do people learn about these things? And unfortunately, they learn about them kind of through the school of hard knocks. They wait till they have a crisis or they're, they're in the situation. And then it's sometimes uh, difficult to find the resources at that point. Yes, and, and not even knowing where to start. And we've been actually, for the past couple of years, educating uh, high school students. It's a program called Ending the Silence, and we reached over 9,000 teens last year so that they kind of understand what are the symptoms of mental illness, what do I do if I'm concerned about myself or a friend. And part of the program is to actually have a young adult who's living well with their mental illness share their story so they really understand that recovery is possible um, and that they're provided some hope if they're struggling themselves with some type of mental illness or with symptoms. And so I think that's an important piece. There's another kind of uh, class that's being taught, frankly, across the country called Mental Health First Aid. And the goal is to really increase mental health literacy around this issue. So again, what are the signs and symptoms? How do I help? How can I intervene? You know, what if I come across someone in crisis? What are the steps that I can take to make sure that there's a positive outcome? Um, And, you know, one thing I would just add is that nearly 100% of our board staff and volunteers either live with a mental illness or have a family member. So we're not coming at this as mental health professionals. We're coming at this because of our lived experience. Wow. And again, you have great empathy. We've been there. We absolutely understand what it's like uh, when someone is really struggling with their mental illness. Yeah. If we, I'm just curious here, um, how does the diagnosis work? Um, I've, I've read and I've heard that sometimes these are very difficult to diagnose, um, in, especially in young people. Um, is there tips or guidance you can give to the, to the audience about if they're seeing certain things, you know, how they go about approaching getting a diagnosis so then appropriate treatment then can be pursued? Well, you know, the difficult thing about mental illness is we don't yet have like a blood test or we can't take a, you know, a scan of the brain to be able to diagnose. And so what we depend on are symptoms. And so it's really important that you track what are those symptoms and for how long. So for example, for teenage depression, well, every teen is going to, you know, stay in the room sometimes. 
but it's the length of time and the intensity. They're not going to stay in the room and isolate themselves every day for seven weeks. That is not typical teenage behavior. And, you know, if they're starting to not be involved in activities that they once liked, all of those kinds of things would lead you to say, I think I'm concerned about this. Typically, the first step is to actually, um, if it's a young person, see if your school has what's called a school-linked mental health program, but other reach out to your physician or your pediatrician and kind of talk to them and let them talk to your teen, for example, to see what's going on. From there, you know, you might have to find a mental health professional, which could include a clinical social worker, a psychologist, marriage and family therapist, uh, professional clinical counselor, um, and those are the folks who can actually diagnose and treat. And one thing I want to add is that sometimes people say, well, if I just take this pill, I'll be better. Taking a pill alone is not going to do it. Um, therapy is really important. And then some of those other things, uh, you know, what, are you, what do you do to reduce stress? Um, are you watching what you eat? Are you moving so that you get the endorphins going in your brain? Um, are you making sure that you're surrounded by people and not isolating yourself? And all those things are really important for our mental health along with our physical health. Uh, interesting about um, the school partnerships that you talked about. I, I think that's that's interesting. Um, could you talk a little bit more about about that connection? Because I think getting information to the schools that they're, they're under budgetary pressures and staffing pressures, and and they've got a, a lot to deal with as, as a school system. Are you guys developing, as you mentioned, uh, the mental health first aid? Uh, collaborations with school systems or schools to help them with that? Well, what's interesting is Minnesota was the first state in the country to pass a law requiring teachers to have continuing education on the early warning signs of mental illness in children. Um, So we've had that for quite some period of time, so at least they're learning some of the basic things. And then in 2007, the legislature passed really a a model program for the country, and it's called School-Linked Mental Health. And the dollars actually go to a mental health provider who then co-locates in the school, so we're eliminating barriers to access to treatment. Um, Those mental health professionals and can actually diagnose and treat, but they can also help the entire school increase its capacity to support children who are exhibiting symptoms of a mental illness. We're not in every school. We're in about 50% of the school buildings right now, 85% of school districts, so we still have a little ways to go. But it's been a program that's really been supported um, by both Republicans and Democrats because they can really see that if a child's mental health is poor, they're not going to do well in school. And understanding that access in terms of transportation, knowing where to go, insurance, all those are huge barriers. And so this way we eliminate the barriers to access to treatment. Well, so, and, and how is, are those programs funded then if it, when you get them into a, uh, into a school or into a district? So it's actually grant funded, but because they're mental health providers, they can bill insurance, Medicaid, Minnesota Care, private insurance. And then the dollars are used for activities that you cannot bill for and for children who are uninsured or underinsured. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, okay. So children that don't have insurance or are underinsured, that is that really the only program they have in terms of getting help then? Yes, wow. pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is important. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, okay. Now, do you, in terms of the, you, you'd mentioned about <laughs> it's not just taking a pill. Um, certainly medications are important mm-hmm. in helping to you know, manage uh, symptoms or conditions. Um, but... A lot of times, isn't it, there, you're, and you mentioned about eating right and walking and having the bodies naturally trying to get the right chemicals uh, in their system. Um, do you have uh, resources online that can help parents or help people saying, well, here's some things we can do at home to help support uh, somebody who, is, who has a mental illness? Yeah, so we have fact sheets on the various illnesses, but also booklets on navigating the adult mental health system or the children's mental health system, how to prevent a crisis, which we think is also really important. What are de-escalation techniques that you can use with your family member? Um, And I think the support groups also really help, though. So when you're in a support group, whether you're living with a mental illness or you're the family member, you're learning from others about what has worked. And that also is extremely important. Are, are there um, are there other like online resources that people can can connect to uh, outside of your site, or is is your site kind of a a, a hub for 
information here for the local communities in Minnesota? I mean, there are other advocacy organizations, but, um, you know, other than that, you know, they've developed online cognitive behavior therapy, but you still need to go through your insurance plan in order to access that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, we've only got a minute left in this next in this segment here. We have one more segment left, um, but I do want to talk a little bit about about legislative issues and the advocacy that you guys do. Um, uh, is there anything that is particularly uh, important this session coming up that you are working with that we can maybe talk about maybe next uh, next segment? Yes, mental health parity. Mental health parity. Yep. All on right. the top of the list. All right. We will talk about mental health parity in the next segment here, but it's time for our last break. We'll be right back to continue our conversation about mental illness with Sue Abderholden, Executive Director with NAMI Minnesota. Stay with us. The Fall St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, will be running October 12th 13th and 14th. This is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you'll have a chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries. Hosting over 300 artists, up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 30 locations. Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for you to own. And when you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community with a free transit pass. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the art crawl. Be sure to get details at the stpaulartcrawl.org. That's the stpaulartcrawl.org. Hi, Gregory Rich, founder and chief at Habitation Furnishing and Design, and now I'd like to invite you to kill your Sunday evenings with me right here on AM 950 with Drink in the Style. It's a one-hour-long conversation of interior design, art, architecture, and pretty much anything else visual and aesthetic, all while enjoying some booze handcrafted by our friends at Mill Valley Kitchen. Can you think of a better way to spend Sunday evenings? Drink in the Style, Sundays. 5 p.m. With all the convenient big box stores that sell appliances, why do so many Minnesotans choose Warner Stellion? Check online to learn that Warner Stellion is a Minnesota family-owned business for over 60 years. Warner Stellion sells more brands than anyone else, and our passionate specialists are committed to impressing you so much that you'll refer us to everyone you know. That's our mission here at Warner Stellion. Ask around, check us out online, and when it's your time to buy appliances, join over 300,000 Minnesota homeowners and choose the specialists. Warner Stallion. I'm Steve Conklin. And I'm Jake DeRoff. We're the hosts of the Mortgage Talk Show Sundays at 1230. Steve, what are we going to talk about this week? This week, we talk about the Fed's looming rate hike and the impact on mortgage rates, why down payments are getting bigger and bigger, and the impact of self-driving cars on the real estate market. Check us out for more information. And email us any questions at mortgagetalkshow.com. Tune in to The Mortgage Talk Show every Sunday at 1230 on AM 950. Hi, it's Tom Hartman. You know, Continental Diamond is special for a lot of reasons. The owners are Jimmy and Helene Pessis, a husband and wife team who had a dream to open their own store more than 30 years ago. They built a business that is the gold standard. The readers of Minnesota Bride Magazine have named Continental Diamond the best jeweler for the last seven years. Why? Amazing, friendly, no-pressure customer service, a selection of fine diamonds and design jewelry unlike anywhere else, and the fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are pretty great, too. Continental Diamond in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show. This radio program is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding this specialty practice of end-of-life care, please feel free to contact 
the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice by phone at 952-898-1022 or visit them online at minnesotahospice.com. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today in studio is Sue Abderholden, the Executive Director with NAMI Minnesota. Sue, before we get back into our last segment here, let's tell our audience how they can reach out to your organization. So they can go to our website, which is at namimn.org, or call us at 651-645-2948. And one of the reasons we are having you on the show this week is that you just came off your annual successful walk last week at Minnehaha Park, Mm -hmm. and it's a walk that thousands of people show up to and raises hundreds of thousands of dollars for your program. And one of the things I want to make sure the audience understands is that these fundraise, that that fundraising event um, supports your program, supports 33 people, and all of the programs we've talked about today that money goes to support that. You guys you guys are, are donation-driven. Absolutely. The communities are what supports you and the great work you do. So I want to make sure that, that, the, that the listening audience understands that even though the walk ended last week, the fundraising continues. Absolutely. Uh, we can take walk donations until the middle of November and individual donations all year round. All year round. So please, especially this time of year as we get into the, to the fall and the fourth quarter, uh, Please remember uh, the NAMI of Minnesota organization, um, the great work that they do. And so we appreciate the work that you've been doing for 17, over 17 years now Thank you. in this role. Um, in fact, off the air, you were saying that when you started, you had two and a half people. Yes. <laughs> so we were small and scrappy and right. now we're big and effective. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, when you start, you got you to think big and start small and move fast. And, yes. <laughs> uh, it, that's, that's the entrepreneurial part of Minnesota that uh, we are very blessed with here and, and having great passionate people uh, supporting our healthcare system. Um, let's talk a little bit about the advocacy side of the mission mm-hmm. of NAMI Minnesota. Um, and maybe first we step back and say, you know, what is that mission that NAMI has for our communities here in Minnesota? It really is to promote justice, dignity, and respect. Um, And so the advocacy piece becomes a huge part of that because so many of our laws actually discriminate against mental health treatment. And so that's where we have to step in. Yeah. And one of the things about mental health is that the reason that there is discrimination and there just isn't the visibility is that it, it's a, it's, it's a disease or a a condition that is hard to see. I think the, I think because it's invisible in some ways that, that it is, but I think also because there's been so much misunderstanding, um, frankly, of the brain in general. And so as we, you know, increase our technology, our ability to understand the brain better, um, we're starting to see changes there as well. That's a great point. And I, we're going to have some guests on later on in future shows that are going to focus a lot about the brain, uh, I, I, several people I talk to who are much smarter than I am talk about the neurology of the brain and, and how that really is a kind of final frontier of medicine. Yes, it is. We really are, are at some amazing uh, points here in understanding the brain and what goes on, but there's, there's a lot to still learn. And I think as we, we come, become more aware of how amazing the brain is, and the, the chemical reactions and the thought processes and the, you know, how we can actually uh, um, improve the, the, um, the neuron communication. We can actually create new pathways in the brain. Yes. There's amazing just behavioral issues that are coming to the forefront here. So I would love to have you back on for a future show and talk <laughs> about those things Absolutely. Uh, as well. But let's, in the last few minutes here, I'd like to just inform the audience about some of the work you're doing um, at the legislative level uh, for advocacy purposes. And one of that you mentioned previously was the mental health parity. Could yes. you talk about that? So people will remember parity because of Senator Wellstone um, and actually Senator Domenici as well. And it passed almost 10 years ago. The problem is that it is not being enforced. So mental health parity actually does not require a health plan to cover mental health benefits. It just says if you do, you have to do it in the same way. 
can't have different out-of-pocket costs, you can't have arbitrary treatment limits, and you can't have what they call non-quantitative treatment limits, which means you have to cover like services. So that would include a health plan saying, well, how do we cover new treatments for mental illnesses and how do we cover new treatments for other health care conditions? And they should be the same. If you get a new hip, your insurance company will probably pay for rehab in a nursing home. But if you have schizophrenia and you're leaving the hospital and you need to do rehab in a, an adult mental health residential facility, most private insurance plans will not cover that. Um, they don't cover in-home services for children with serious mental illnesses. And the problem is, is that most families don't know that their plan is not following mental health parity until you're in the midst of a crisis and you find out that your insurance plan is not going to pay for the very treatment that you or your loved one needs. And frankly, no one thinks during that time, I think I'll call the Department of Commerce, said no one ever, right? No one knows to call the Department of Commerce um, or Department of Health on a health care issue. So we want to actually, we have a bill that we heard this last session, we'll be bringing it back next year, that will make sure that the Department of Commerce actually approves plans and the plans have to prove that they're following mental health parity instead of relying on you know, consumers to actually file those complaints. And so we think that will be very helpful because again, um, some of the biggest expenses, out-of-pocket expenses are for medical care costs and for mental health, they go through the roof because we don't have mental health parity. Well, as health plans continue to evolve and high deductibles continue to be higher mm -hmm. uh, and the cost of plans increasing, it's going to be, as I mentioned in the uh, intro, the economic pressures on the healthcare system and our, and our citizens are just going to continue to get, get more and increase. Um, well, and the more that we forget that our head is connected to the rest of our body, um, the higher those costs will be. Well, and there's a, there's a, a growing segment of the healthcare area that that says that if we can deal with what's happening in the in the brain, mm -hmm. it really does affect what's happening in the rest of the body. And that uh, some have have looked at the brain as the root cause of many cr uh, chronic conditions. That if we can deal yeah. with that, well, that can really diabetes help and depression. Um, you yeah. know, heart surgery and depression. You know, MS and anxiety. I mean, it all goes together, and you can't separate it out. Sue, I wish we could talk for another hour. I have so Me many too. more questions here. Um, <laughs> I would love to have, so you, have you back here. But we're going to have to wrap it up today. Um, this has been a tremendous uh, education for us here, uh, Sue, on what you've been doing at, uh, at uh, NAMI. And we want to continue to encourage you to keep up the great work. Thank you so much for having me on, Ken. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please contact us with any questions or comments you may have regarding today's conversation or let us know of topics you'd like for us to discuss on future shows. Please join us again next Saturday at noon for another live broadcast. We'll be talking with Mary Sue Moses and Robin Burkmos from the Fountains of Ozana Retirement Community in Lakeville, Minnesota about their innovative support and engagement programs for their residents. Thank you for listening. and Until next time, live well. It's a season turn, turn.